and welcome to another episode of the Tigers and Takedowns podcast. I'm Morgan. And I'm James. And we are here to talk about the NCAA's end of the season. Um, I'll finish up in Tulsa. We took a couple days off to to recover and to and reflect. really drink it all in. Yeah, it was it was one of the craziest NCAA's that I've watched in uh, I don't know how long. You know, the team race got locked up pretty quick by Penn State. Not too surprising, but man, those individual matches were insane. And um, they were the whole time. I mean, obviously, like yeah. there's a ton of attention on Spencer Lee and some of the other like finals matches, but I mean, there were upsets and craziness just throughout the whole thing yeah it it was a crazy tournament it was so much fun um mizzou finished fifth just one spot short of a team trophy pretty good finish but i think a lot of the you know just listen to keegan specifically talk about his like post-match stuff he he was like mizzou was right there kind of heartbreaking but still finished finishing top five is five all americans tied their own record for yeah. all americans yep yep most since 2017 so you know all in all a really good finish for the for the tigers great showing yeah um so we're just gonna kind of dive right into it um we're going to just get, kind of go weight by weight, you know, and, and just kind of talk about how each guy did and, and run through that and then talk, dive a little more into some of the team stuff towards the end. But uh, so 125 pounds, Noah Certain came in as the 14 seed, ended up going one and two. Um, kind of a bummer. Uh, you know, I, I had high expectations for Certain, but it was all about that first match. Yep. Um, Braxton Brown, super tough. And I think, you know, I had watched some Braxton Brown this season, but not a ton. And I guess something I didn't realize was just how long he is. He really was like that. And, you know, that doesn't always stump certain, but here it it didn't really stump him, but it just gave him, Brown, so many advantages. Yeah, like certain couldn't really, like, seem to not be able to get to his ties as well. And just, I don't know, it just didn't really seem like his best match, um... Certain dropped that one 8-6. It really got broken open in the second period when Brown got a takedown to backs. Um, and Certain got reversals and he was riding tough. But, you know, when when you're trying to make something happen from top at college, it's, it's really hard. Uh, so it wasn't like a crazy upset one that we didn't necessarily know could happen. But it was still kind of like a damn tough way to so start. So close, too. You know? Uh, he came back well, though, and on the backside, he pinned Tanner Jordan of South Dakota State pretty, pretty dominantly. Yeah, uh, got some much-needed team points there. Yeah, one of two guys to get bonus points in the tournament, which we'll talk about later. But then uh, Jarrett Trombley was his next match, and it was a one-one match going into the third. Trombley's super tough. He he almost took out freaking Matt Ramos in the quarter. So if that tells you anything, but this uh, was such a frustrating. Yeah. To watch. So to break down, like James said, one to one going into the third, um, and there was a a bit of uh, I don't remember if it was a scramble or if it was Noah on bottom and he was still on top, but uh, Trombley ended up getting Certain's knee into like a really bad place. Kind of took it past ninety. Um, or yeah. So it was like it was a neutral mm-hmm. late, but and Trombley was trying going to shelf the leg while Certain's trying to slip his leg out, and it, it puts the knee at this really externally rotated position. Yeah. And it's a position that, in my opinion, the ref needs to be and it better. And it gets called like it's not yeah. unheard of. In fact, it should be called like for for dangerous. And and you see some guys with these like rubber knees that can really do some crazy things from there, but a lot of guys don't. So. I don't know if this ref just missed it. I don't know what the deal was, but yeah. certain ends up tweaking his knee. He has to take injury time. Um, which gives Trombley choice. Yeah, so Trombley chooses bottom and is able to get an escape in the third. And, and I mean, the the match was 2-1, to one, so yep. that was the point that made the difference. And, and, and I think that when Trombley got out or took bottom, there was like less than 30 seconds left too. Yeah, so it would have been a tough ride, especially now you got to a tweaked knee yeah. a little bit. Don't know how good that was feeling going into that last ride, you know, just know that he toughed it out to get back into it, but um it's just so tough. And you know, you can always say that, you know, scoring earlier would have, you know, helped you out and you wouldn't have lost by one, but certain was was pretty offensive and, and getting to some things they just weren't 
he wasn't able to kind of finish them, especially in the first. He was very offensive. Yeah, well, it felt like he wasn't taking a ton of shots, but it felt like he was like dominating him in the ties, yes. which is where certain really tends to get a lot of his upper body stuff, even set up some of his lower body stuff. So I was really surprised. And Trombley's very good defensively. I think that's part of kind of how he made his run. But I was really surprised that certain wasn't able to to score earlier. Um, so you know, it's just tough draw. In the first round, get your knee tweaked in a close match late. You know, I mean, it's hard to sit here and be upset about that. Yeah. More just hoping that his knee's okay. He kind of had, I think, I don't think it was the same knee that kept him out earlier in the season, but fingers crossed it's nothing too crazy and, and he comes back healthy because, you know, he was the 14 seed this year and was, was right there in the freaking Big 12 finals. Yeah. So, Give them another year, see what happens. Yeah, and we, you know, we had some guys that became all Americans for the first time next year, and I'm really hoping that certain can be in that camp next year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 133 pounds, Connor Brown. We knew coming in this was going to be one of the like one of the worst draws in the tournament, just on paper. You know, like us, even without an upset, it's like this is a brutal draw. Uh, First round, he gets pinned by Michael Kolioko pretty quick. Uh, Kolioko just got in on a single and, and cradled him, and that was kind of the match. Yeah. And Kolioko ended up doing that. He he lost to Lucas Bird in the next round, but then he went on to pin Wyatt Henson in, in under two minutes. So it's like that dude's – that he looked like he has some serious strength. Um, and then in on the first round of the backsides, Connor Brown hit Brody Teske. You know, Teske's one of those guys where the 23 seed is probably um, not accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd agree with that. Or at least in skill, you know, I, looking at why he ended up there, I'm not totally sure, but it was definitely a case of just like, I don't see how he's there, and that really sucks. Um, but Brown dropped that one 11 to 5. Just, uh, you know, Connor Brown's a senior. He he almost, he, he spent a year at South Dakota State and then a year at Wisconsin, and it sounded like after that Wisconsin year, he was kind of done with wrestling, and and Coach Smith convinced him to come back out for four years. And mm-hmm. you know, he I don't think he ever achieved the success that he had in mind, probably. But he was always a guy just like willing to do whatever for the team. He he wrestled three different weight classes yeah. through his career. I mean, he was wrestled through injuries. Yeah, I mean, just such a tough guy, and and had like crazy injuries at times, and just super tough. So, you know, not. Not uh, not the ideal finish, but shout out to Connor Brown for just being mm-hmm. a stud. Yeah, anytime we've talked to him, he's had such a great mindset about wrestling and about the team, and so. And it sounds like he's going to be looking to get into coaching. So you know, we'll probably, hopefully, see him around Missouri even. Yeah, stick um, around. Yeah, uh, doing some things. So, moving on to another senior though, Alan Hart. Also did not place. Uh, he lost in the blood round. Um, he started out really hot in the first round, taking on Carmen Ferrante. Had like four minutes of riding time. Ended up winning 7-4. Super close to a major. Mm-hmm. Kind of a bummer that that didn't happen. Um, yeah, I, I actually was, this is a bit of a sidebar, but I was in a meeting when this first started for like the first hour of the tournament. And James was texting me and he was like, certain lost his match and then, Brown got pinned, and then he was like, Hart got a decision and got a win. And I was like, yes, thank yeah. gosh. It, I, I was like, what's going on? It was a little... It, uh, a little I rocky was, start. Yeah, so. I'm feeling a little nervous there, but Hart got a really strong win. Would have liked to see some bonus points, you know, when you get that four minutes of riding time. It's like, all right, let's, you know, get some turns, get some stalls or something, but still a good win against a tough guy. Um, in fact, I, I wonder, did Ferrante end up doing anything on the backside? Head to the bracket. Uh, oh, he was 141. Yep. Let's see. So, Fronte. Oh, no, he's lost to Swiderski, who went on a freaking tear and made the blood round. Oh, my gosh. I didn't realize he made the blood round. Um, so, yeah, tough loss. Or tough, good good win. Good win. Yeah. Tough loss for Fronte. But uh, second round, Hart took on Moshe Schwartz. And, you know, he dominated him at Big 12s. I And I kind of thought it might be the same, but Schwartz had a knee injury at Big 12s and did not look to have that same knee injury here. Uh, really back and forth through the first two periods. Uh, both guys getting in crazy scrambles. Hart right there multiple times. Ends up going to overtime 2-2. Uh, 
Uh, and they make it through the first period, and they get no, through a sudden victory. There's nothing I hate more than top bottom in NCAAs. Yep, ultimate top bottom, or no, ultimate tiebreakers. I always think UTB is ultimate top bottom, but it's ultimate tiebreakers. Um, and Hart rides them out. Um, crazy, crazy match. Um, but one of those but, really do what you gotta do and just get through it and get the win, and he delivered there. Oh, it might have. Yeah. Yes. Uh. Yeah. Absolutely. And he, uh, Hart went on to face Real Woods. That was a tough one. Top seed Real Woods, just really, really good. Um, Hart ended up getting majored nine zero, but it felt closer. Uh, yeah, I I thought he looked really competitive considering his opponent. It was just kind of like the, the sequences that they got in. Woods just. One and Hart was close a couple times, but Woods just tended to to win them. And then I think he got like a turn on top or something like that. Neither guy took bottom, which I found interesting, especially for Woods' aspect. You know, mm-hmm. like good scouting there. But uh, so Hart drops that match. He goes into the blood round against Clay Carlson. We kind of talked about how that was a tough matchup. It's happened before. Uh, this one sucked. I'll be honest. Hart was wrestling well. He was up five two at mm-hmm. one point. And Carlson just absolutely just, like, just wouldn't stop. Like, pressure guy and just kept coming, kept coming, and scores a takedown with, like, I don't know, a second, two seconds left. Yep. And ends up winning 8-7. Um, and, poof, this, this one sucked. Just 8-7 in the blood round for a senior and such a, I mean, incredible teammate like Alan yeah, Hart. like, we're big fans of alan hart and we were really if there's one guy where i was like make the freaking podium it was Hart, and uh one match away and just right there right freaking there man um another guy that he's talked about that he wants to go into coaching down in the texas area uh which seems to be a growing state which is which is always good but he uh just a stud another guy who i think kind of came in and was not a super top recruit. He was a top 100 guy, but not like a top 50, top 20 type of guy and really made a lot of strides. And, and I think he's one most improved for them before. And you can see it mm-hmm. to, to go. He's one of those Mizzou guys that coming out of high school, isn't super commonly known. And then all of a sudden he's freaking, uh, in this, it, like close to this all American spot and like nationally recognized and nationally ranked and, but uh, freaking sucks. Yeah. That's all that, I'll say. Was just, it was rough. It was rough to watch. Blood um, round is always a heartbreak. It's either the best or the worst. It really is. And that, oh, man, that that sucked. But shout out to Hart for just being an absolute competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to 149 pounds. Brock Mahler, sixth seed, ends up finishing in seventh. So Secured that All-American spot once again. Three-time All-American. Very solid. Um, had quite the tournament. It was pretty tough. Uh, so, um, but Brock, his first match against Jared Verclaren, he took him out 11-5. Uh, that was a really good match, yeah. actually. Brock wrestled really well. It kind of seemed like when I was, after a second match, I was talking to, talking to you, and it, I was like, it kind of feels like Brock is wrestling, like, get that first takedown, make them come to you, and yeah. you can score. Give yourself the space to... To wrestle that kind of like uh, responsive match. Yeah, and and I'll say you know Brock always has great counters, but there there's this one counter he does where he like gets his leg free and then he's on his knees and just like slides it's around so his smooth. opponent. It's it so was smooth. crazy. I it's was like, how are you? How do you do that? Like, but um, but yeah, so really solid mat or tournament from Brock. He beat Verclaren and then he takes on twenty two C Chance Lamer of Michigan and. Gets a takedown on him, wins 4-1. Um, makes the quarterfinals against three-seed Kyle Parco. And, uh, so close. If There were like two matches where I was like, that sucks bad. And it was Hart losing in the blood round and Mahler losing in the quarterfinals. Because he freaking had this he match. He had Parco. Um, just like their dual match, it was 1-1 in the third period. And both guys are kind of shooting and not really getting through. Both super tough. And Mahler gets a takedown with, like, I don't know, 20 seconds or something mm-hmm. like that. And we're like, oh, my God, he's going to do it. He's going to take out Parko. He's going to make the semis. 
And then Parko gets away, and we're like, that's fine. Brock has such good defense. Yeah, he's, you know, just just control the hand fight and, you know, don't get yeah. tangled up in anything. And Parko gets to a leg and locks up a cradle and then just holds him. He doesn't take him over, but he just holds him once he gets the takedown. And that was it, uh, you know. Uh, uh, it was a weird match. Um, like, that last finish was just like, what just happened? Like what we were celebrating so much when he got that takedown, and then Parko comes back like that. I was like, "That's Mahler's one of the last guys I would expect to drop a match like that." Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a little worried that you know taking a super tough loss like that and dropping into the blood round, you're gonna get someone that's really tough and like um, hungry just to like get yeah, through the next guy who's, and who's you're been just running there. through the constellations, yeah. you know, and they they they're driving through, but. Uh, you know, so Brock drops to the blood round. He takes on true freshman Jackson Arrington of NC State, who was the 16 seed. Arrington super tough and made this match really close. Yeah. Um, I was a little worried. It was actually kind of the inverse of the Parco match because I think Arrington got a takedown in the match. Yeah, Muller needed to catch up. Yeah, and then Brock got one late to win. Um, and I was nervous. We were we were sweating uh, on yeah. that one. Um, but good match. Got the win you know just get the win get on the podium and that's what he did uh and then in his first uh like placement matches for the like one two all-american i don't know what they call those but uh he took on caleb henson and it felt like brock was going to be in this match it felt like he had some opportunities but henson is just an absolute dog like he's gonna be after you and especially it's like freaking day three of the tournament or no this one was the night before but still you're going you've wrestled so much at this point you're so tired and henson and Mahler is like a in a fourth year fifth year wrestler i think it's fourth year and then henson is a true freshman who's just got this motor and is just taking guys out um so henson beats Mahler seven two um and so that bumps Mahler down to the seventh place match. Yes, where he takes on the ten seed Michael Blockis, which ironically was originally going to be a likely quarterfinals match until all the seeds got shifted. Yep. But uh, Mahler wrestled well in this one. Uh, he got takedown in the first period, and then when Blockis was kind of pushing in the third period, Mahler had a great counter and almost put Blockis on his back, but he ended up clinching with that. Um, and it kind of felt like. Uh, one of the things I kind of hinted at earlier was Mizzou not getting a lot of bonus. Mm-hmm. And it kind of felt like that hipping in and putting a guy on his back for a second was one of those moments where it's like if Mahler could have got the pin or, yeah. you know, got enough points to, like, get a major or something, you know, that it There's felt There's all like, these little things that could have added up yeah, to... Yeah, that was a big thing. Get you one spot higher in the team race. Yeah, that was a, that was a factor a couple times. But solid tournament for Mahler. He was one of the five All-Americans, seventh place finish. Uh, had some gritty wins, and I I really liked how he wrestled at NCAA's, especially yeah, me too. leading up to the quarterfinals outside of that like last 20 seconds. I, I thought he looked really good. Yeah, it really um, seemed like he kind of just focused in on both his strategy and then just, you know, his couple of dominant moves that he needed to be able to get past some of these guys and really seemed ready for this tournament. Yeah, like I think that if Mahler comes in as a guy that is just like, I get the first takedown, and then you're going to make mistakes, and I'm going to capitalize. Like, I think that's a winning strategy for someone like him. Sorry if you guys hear our cat meowing. He's It's almost dinner time, so he's yeah. but also not almost dinner time. Um, moving on to 157 pounds, we've got Jarrett JQs at the 17 seed. He out-wrestled his seed and made the round of 16. Um, solid tournament. Uh, didn't make the podium, but he was kind of in a rough spot. He started out with a really strong win against Anthony Artelona, who's made the blood round twice. And that was one that we talked about being nervous, you know, when 17 and 16, like that's such a tough draw. Um, And Artelona felt like a guy that could be like a top, like a top eight type of guy mm -hmm. if he had a good tournament. Uh, But JQ's got two takedowns on him. He gave up one late to make the score close at 5-4, but JQ's wrestled really well in that match. Um Winning that one put him up against Austin O'Connor in the second round. And he wrestled O'Connor really tight. It was only a 4-1 match. Um, O'Connor ends up going on to win the title, yeah, of course. Yeah, he won the whole thing. But, uh, you know, I didn't hate how Jake Hughes wrestled. It was no, just... he didn't blow him out. He didn't get him in any <sighs> too dangerous of positions, even. 
O'Connor's just good. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's the, he's a two-time champ. He's taking out Brock. He's he's just good. But so that dropped Jake Hughes to the constellations where he started out with Derek Gilcher of Indiana, took him out three one. Just a very positional match. Got his takedown. Put on a pretty solid ride. Got the win. You know, survive in advance. Mm-hmm. Then he took on eight seed Ed Scott. Tough, tough match. Ed Scott beat Jake Hughes last year at National Duels 3-2. Um, and ends up just kind of beating him here 6-1. Uh, Scott's a young guy that's that's really, really good. He he, he ends up making the podium as well. Um, where did he... How high did he finish? I want to say like... I think six. Um... No, he was fifth. That was close. Yeah. He he pinned Andonian actually, so that's crazy. But um you know, he did, I I thought Jake Hughes wrestled really well this tournament. I know he's a senior, this is his last tournament, but I, I, I think he can go out on a pretty high note. Yeah. You know, uh I think I think all our seniors can go out on high notes. Like they all you could tell just wrestled like left it all on the mat type of matches. Um you know, even even in losses, it's it's like they wrestled tough. They wrestled well. Um, Jake Hughes is another guy made the hundred win club, which was awesome. So it was so cool to see those graphics going up during the tournament. That was awesome. oh, so did Mahler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so shout out to both those guys for doing that. And just he, you know, he's O'Toole's one of O'Toole's main practice guys. Sounds like Jake Hughes is going to be sticking around in the room, hopefully, but. Uh, yeah, just another guy that that has worked so hard and to to be where he's at and been such a positive impact on Mizzou's room and and in the lineup and uh, you know never broke onto the podium but has always been right there and and even being right there even making the tournament once much less five times yep. is and then going out and huge. competing and getting wins and points for your team yeah and uh, so shout out to Jake Hughes man. Um, 165 pounds. Boring. Skip it. <laughs> We've got the re- the two-time champ, Keegan Woo! O'Toole, um, who was dominant, too. In the in the first round, he took out Wyatt Sheets in a rematch. We, uh, he majored him 13-5. Just kind of looked like the duel. O'Toole just doing O'Toole things and, and Sheets trying to slow him down. Second match, he took on 15C Justin McCoy. And that was a close one. That was tight, which I didn't expect. Um, he only beat him 5-2, and McCoy was doing a really good job of like tying him up in these weird scrambles that, that Keegan just couldn't yeah. pass through. And uh, I was, I'll was i be honest, I was like, oh my gosh. I was a little nervous. <laughs> I was like, this was the only one that made me, well, and the last one, but this was the one that made me nervous. And, and not that he was going to lose or anything like no. that, but it's like, O'Toole does not look his best. Mm-hmm. And and you know everyone's pointing to David Carr, but you have so many landmines to get through before then. Uh, but then day two comes on, and O'Toole freaking kills it. Uh, just a man on a mission in every single one. Just I mean, uh, so he texts Carson Hartschla, who's a all American. He beats him nineteen to four, like it was nothing. Yeah, and uh, like you know, last year he beat Hartschla two zero. In the quarters, and Carson ends up not making, or Hartzler ends up not making the podium. But my God, who does he lose to? Even like, let's see, he ends up losing on the backside to Olesnik. Oh, shout out to the Mac. Yeah. I, I always like Olesnik, mm-hmm. but uh, Hartzler is a, just like a tough guy to score on. And not only does Keegan score on him, he freaking takes him. I, it was crazy, and and the nineteen and four. Two of Hartzler's points was from a reversal. Yep. So it's like he was turning him. He was taking him down. I mean, just crazy dominant. Um, and then the semis, a lot of people had Dean Hamity penned in to make the semis, but Cam Amin took him out, which I think I had. I think you, yeah, I think you did predict that. Um, and 11 seed Cam Amin in Michigan, who O'Toole has wrestled now three times at NCAAs yep. and has beaten him every time. But I was still a little bit nervous going in, even though he's beaten him, because Amin looked so good this year. Yeah, and I mean, he was banged up at Big Tens, but then he took out freaking Patrick Kennedy. He took out Dean Hamity. I mean, he was looking really good, and he pinned Tanner Cook. So it was like, you know, and... You never know. At this turn, also, 
earlier in the semifinals is when Spencer Lee got pinned. Dayton Fix, Fix got majored. Got majored. We were freaking out. RBY like, almost lost. Everything's upside down. <laughs> it was insane. That was the cra- Friday night was the craziest round of wrestling I've ever watched. But uh, O'Toole takes aiming out 6-0. Just kind of controlled the whole match. You know. Blanking a guy in the semis? Like, yeah. It, it was, shows you like the level he was operating at during this tournament. It was, uh, it was a nice win. It was very nice. And then... Get to the finals. Oh, gosh. I cried the whole time. <laughs> Keegan O'Toole versus David Carr. We get the trilogy match. And, you know, David Carr took out... He had close ones left and right. I mean, he started out with two majors. And then he wrestled Shane Griffith and um, barely beat him 2-1. Where Griffith was like two seconds away from getting the takedown to win. Mm-hmm. And then he takes out Monday 6-5 when Quincy Monday just makes like a crazy decision to take bottom. And, and struggles from there. And so, you know, while O'Toole is killing these guys in the, in the quarters and semis, Carr's having these tight matches. And I don't, you know, there's a lot of talk about, oh, Carr's been having these type, tough matches. They're t- it's a tougher bracket. And I totally get that. But it's like, O'Toole's ma- bracket wasn't exactly easy. And it's, if he were winning closer, I'd get that. But O'Toole was killing these guys. Yes. It wasn't like they were having the same types of results out of these matches against different levels of guys. Yeah. So so they wrestle, and you can just see the adjustments. I mean, Carr, off the whistle, is doing his shuffle and stuff. and, and Keegan's just stalking. Just, and, just Well, not just stalking, but this time he's like, you either have to wrestle me or you are going to go out of bounds. Yeah, I'm going to sh- get you out. He shot him out of bounds once, and it should have been a stall call. I agree with you. But um, but he eventually gets the takedown in the first, mm-hmm. and we see a ride out, which is not something I expected. Well, with short time, too. But still, yeah. I mean, that's something where, like, Carr, in previous matches, will be able to kind of get yeah. that quick escape and get that pivotal point. Yeah, and that was big because it put O'Toole up 2-0. Um, and then in the second period, Carr... They they called a takedown and then waved it off and went. Uh, they Iowa State challenged and um, the, after review they upheld the no takedown call. It was close. I didn't think it was a takedown. It was one of those things that kind of come down to reaction time and what the refs think. But you know, just with how takedown takedowns are currently being called. O'Toole's grip broke for a second, but Carr wasn't all the way behind. He didn't have the hips. Uh, just like, I think it could have gone either way, mm-hmm. but I lean no takedown, even, you know, I'm biased. But um, in the third period, O'Toole takes bottom, gets out quick, gets in on another Which that shot. Was, by the way, that was like so exciting because I was worried. I was worried about when he gets on bottom because we've seen that be kind of hard. Well, and then, you know, O'Toole he had like a minute six of riding time and so he gets to his feet and car just kind of holds him until the riding time is like 58 and then he just cuts him and so you could tell car was like not in a hurry to ride or anything yeah um because he was down at this point two one three one or knowing after the o'toole escape yeah so car probably knowing that he's gotta get a takedown and um Keegan gets in on another shot, and there's a scramble, and, and he's he's so patient, and yep. he, he wins the scramble. And if it doesn't work this way, he'll turn, and he works on it the other way, and yep. if someone gets a hold of his leg, he's like, no problem, I'll just wait till I can get that leg back. Yeah, like, and, and I think that's a big thing that we saw changed from, the, especially the first match, just the O'Toole getting to the leg, and then being patient and not trying to force something, because mm-hmm. he didn't give Carr this opportunity to counter with his own thing. Um and then, so O'Toole's on top, Carr's trying to make something happen, get away, and O'Toole kind of splits the legs and gets him on his back for two near fall to really just break the match. By the end, he gets riding time, and it's an 8-2 win, um, which is even more... I heard some people that are like, oh, the duel was so dominant, I just can't forget about the duel, and it's like, oh, O'Toole just beat this guy by a bigger score difference. Yeah. You know? Um, and... I'm not going to sit here and say O'Toole has Carr figured out. No, because, because I mean, even Keegan talked to, they both talked about how excited they are to have a 
a person of each other's caliber in their weight. And you can tell that until one of them moves to a different weight, graduates or whatever, this is going to be a fight back and forth every time with each of them kind of figuring each other out more, coming with new tricks up their sleeves. Like, yeah, and it's it, going to be fun to watch. And, you know, I don't know if it felt like Carr came out really confident, which you should. You're, sure. You've won twice. You... You're you're in the finals. You just like, battled your way through such a tough lineup of guys. Yeah, and you now you get a guy that you've beaten multiple times, but it was like Keegan came out with a plan, executed it perfectly, and it does you know I don't know. We haven't seen uh Carr face a guy that he's lost to that often because he just hasn't lost that often. So it, it feels like O'Toole has made these big adjustments every ever after every match while Carr maybe did not especially mm-hmm. from that second to third match um so i'll be curious as to what he metcalf dresser kind of come back with because this is like like you said it's going to be something until one of them changes weights again a car has another year left mm-hmm. i expect them both back at 165 i don't know who what's going to happen but they're going to see each both other both in again. the big 12 they'll probably wrestle each other two to three times again yeah which is going to be exciting to see. And I think both of them are, are up for the challenge and ready to go. And, and neither one of them underestimate each other. I oh, don't my think, gosh, no. At any point. But that was incredible. I wept. I felt like I was going to throw up the whole time. I'm so glad that they wrestled second. They started at 157 for the finals. Yeah. Which, if I Because if I had to wait until, oh what would gosh. that have been, the seventh? match something if they would have like started that. at 125 six, or something six, six i would have i would have been a wreck the whole night it was freaking oh man it was it was a great win and you know shout out to david carr he's a great competitor and he seems like such a nice i think the day or the or the monday after he held a free clinic at the local high school for like any kids that wanted to come oh yeah and i was just like he's a great guy and, i mean they hugged after the match yeah like... and and david david carr he's out there for aaron brooks during his match they're like best friends and it's just like david carr is such an easy guy to root for there is no animosity between the two this is this rivalry but there's it's not like a heated rivalry like i mean you could see these guys training together yeah you know like Iron sharpens um, iron. Like, it's almost the mentality they have. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome that, that we have a rivalry like this, not just in wrestling, not just in the Big 12, but for, like, Mizzou to have this big name rivalry. And for O'Toole to come out on top is awesome. Oh, yeah. But uh, David Carr is just such a competitor, such an easy guy to root for. Um, just really wanted to give him a shout-out just because it's like, I you know... He's one of those guys where it's like, even if he were to beat, even every time he beat Keegan, I'm not mad at, like, upset. No, and neither was Keegan. No. Keegan was like, all right, what do I need to do? Yeah, and it's just like, there's, he's just such an easy guy to root for. I would love for David Carr and Keegan O'Toole to go undefeated and meet in the finals of every tournament, and then O'Toole to come out on top. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, at the end of the day, David Carr is a a great guy from everything we hear. But, um, all right, enough about 165. 174, Peyton Mako, All-American. First time All-American, breaks through after making the blood round last year. Um, he was the seventh seed. He ends up finishing eighth. Uh, had a really good tournament. Yeah. It uh, started out scary. Um, As it often does. <laughs> his first round, he took on Sal Pirine, a guy he beat 15-4 to four <laughs> last year. And this time it was an overtime. It ends up going to overtime 1-1. And so scary. I will say that Ohio, I saw some gripes from Ohio fans and, and coaches or like associated. And I was like, I don't think you guys are necessarily wrong. Um, you know, in that overtime period, there were definitely some moments where I was like, Mako just gave up a takedown. But yep. the refs did not call it. And, and we're not refs. So <laughs> Mako ends up getting the win. My thing, I'm, I'm pro Mizzou, but I'm not going to sit here and say and try to like, get every single call like i want the calls to be right i'm happy that mako won but i just want to put that out there that like it was probably we're not going back to rewatch that one you know no absolutely not mako gets that first one and and i don't know what the case was weight cut nerves whatever you know when i when i was in high school a big thing was like your toughest match is your first one Mm -hmm. because you gotta go out there and you gotta wrestle in front of a bunch of people and and it's it's nerve-wracking and you're coming off the scale and all this stuff so i don't know if mako's had one of those matches or what but he got the win that's what matters 
Uh, second round, he took on Michael O'Malley from Drexel, the 23 seed, which we kind of talked about. He could upset uh, Rocky Jordan, um, which he did. Uh, Mako came out and didn't get caught in any crazy no. positions, just wrestled his match, won the scrambles, and, and did really well to win an 8-2 and two match against a very dangerous type of guy. Um, Michael O'Malley ended up, he might end up going 1-2 and two after that, mm-hmm. honestly. He was pretty banged up. But, uh, yeah, he, he lost in overtime his next match. But, uh, oh, Rocky Jordan also lost. Um, but, yeah, so solid match for Mako there. He ends up making the quarterfinals against number two, Mikey Labriola. And it felt he like... He kept, kept this one, like, close. It, this match felt like one Mako could have won. Yeah. Um, not necessarily, like, should have, but the opportunities were there. Um, Labriola is a great scrambler, and I thought that... While he's a great scrambler, that's also a good opportunity for someone like Mako to potentially come in there and, and win some scrambles and, and put Labriola in positions that even he is not yeah. accustomed to. But uh, I, I I don't know. Mako did some things where I was like, I feel like you don't normally do that in that position. Um, and he like it, the score was 4-3. Labriola kind of just wins the scramble battle. Um, yeah, just kind of weird. Uh, Labriola ended up making the finals, so like he's an absolute stud. He's yeah. a five-time All-American now, so it's not a bad loss. It was just one where I, afterwards I was like, man, I kind of thought Mako could have won that one. And we saw throughout <laughs> the tournament where like the five, six, seven, eight seed ended up upsetting like a two or a three seed, and, yeah. and this felt like you know that could have been this kind of match for Mizzou. Yeah, it definitely it was definitely close. But then so Mako drops that one, goes to the blood round, and he takes on a familiar opponent, Cade DeVos of South Dakota State, which Friday night, Mizzou versus South Dakota State happened three times. Mm-hmm. Um and South Dakota State got the better of us one to two this time, but Mako got the win here. He ends up beating DeVos four to two. Um tough match. Tough, tough match. Uh Mako Got riding time. He got the takedown. There might be a reversal. I don't fully remember. But uh, wrestled just really well. DeVos is super dangerous and ve- and very tough. He was not a guy that was looking forward to, to wrestling in the blood round. No, and, and I think Mako wrestled smart, kept it close, like and got the points he needed to get without just, trying anything too risky. Just kind of got, got the win, you know. Um, so he ends up advancing and uh, making the podium. And his first match is Nelson Brands of Iowa. That's a tough draw. And Brands had a hell of a tournament. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wrestled really, he really well. No, I think he's got another year, but I don't know. I think he might be a junior. Mm. Um, he might be. A, he's definitely not a freshman. I know that. That's a good question. But uh, I did not. Nelson Brands wrestled so much better than I expected. He's a junior. Uh, because he and Mako kept getting in these scrambles and Brands was winning them. And Brands is not a guy that I consider as a big scramble guy. He seems like a very fundamentally sound defense, shut you down type of yes, type of guy. And just like, you know, textbook offense, just easy things to get you a yeah. takedown. But he um, was holding his own and more in the scrambles. Yeah, like scrambling like crazy. And um, he beats Mako 6-1. I mean, really good match. Brands ends up finishing sixth or fifth. Um, but so he, Mako drops to the seventh place match where he takes on six seed, uh, Ethan Smith of Ohio state. Mako gets major 12, two in this one. It just kind of felt like, you know, you're on the podium, let it fly get a little crazy. Ethan Smith is very technical, very strong. Yeah. Just kind of put Mako in some bad positions. Um, put Mako on his back at one point. It was, uh, not the best match, but like I said, I think at that point, Mako was just kind of like just letting it go and, and seeing what happened. And one sequence really kind of broke it open. And uh, no no shame in a loss like that. And Ethan Smith, the sixth seed, like it's not a crazy no. loss by any means. But uh, yeah, another All-American for Mizzou. Mako will be back next year. He's yeah. got one more year. Um, and looking forward to... to Seeing how he progresses, he's gotten passes. better every tournament. So you know, looking at when you got a guy like Labriola's out, um, and as far as eligibility, you know, you return a lot of guys potentially. Uh, Starachi's back, maybe. Makai Lewis is back, maybe. Like these guys have talked about being done. They've got injuries. Like it's kind of hard to know. Um, same with Brands. Um, 
But so we'll just kind of have to see how that plays out. But mm-hmm. I, re- I really like how Mako wrestled in this tournament once he got past that first match. Yeah. Congrats, all American. Absolutely. Um, uh, moving on to uh, 184, our favorite topic. Um, but genuinely, so uh, Colton Hawks uh, was a 22 seed coming in. He also didn't place. So he ended up going 2-2. Two and two. Um, So Colton Hawks had a pretty good tournament. Uh, first round, taking on 11 seed Gavin Kane. We were feeling pretty, you know, tough draw. But it's like, hey, that's that's a pretty solid matchup for, for someone like Hawks. And Hawks comes out there and, and works his underhook and gets to a sweep single and, and takes him out 6-2 in a, a really, really solid match. His second match was kind of tough. Uh, he took on six-seed Caleb Romero, who ended up having a crazy tournament. Um, just couldn't really get his offense going the same way. Ends up dropping that one 5-3. Um, Romero's just a super athletic guy that's really hard to kind of bully around with an underhook like Hawks is good at. Um, tough draw. Um, but he wrestled well, keeping it tight like that. I mean, Romero freaking went on a tear this tournament. Um, that dropped him to the constellations where he took on Giuseppe Hoos. What a name. <laughs> what a freaking name, man. I don't know how you name your kid Giuseppe. Knowing that his and, last name's going to be Hoos. Yeah, these days. But, uh, he takes him out 6-2, which was on paper another upset because, uh, Giuseppe was the 21 seed and Hawks was the 22. Um... And then in the round of 16, Hawks drops a match to Will Feldkamp of Clary in the 14 seed, who ends up actually ironically beating Gavin Kane to finish seventh. Um, those two wrestled for the seventh place match. And Feldkamp, I'll be honest, was not on my radar. Um, I did not really know him coming into the tournament. I was not really familiar with him. You know, Clarion's a max school. They don't see a lot of top guys. Feldkamp seems to have had like a solid year coming into it, but not like a crazy year. Uh, but Feldkamp freaking, I mean, he uh, he he lost to Aaron Brooks on the top side, but then on the back side, he, he pins Lenny Pinto, beats Hawks, beats Isaiah Salazar, the nine seed, and then drops to, he was beating Marcus Coleman until he got pinned. Um, so... Not a not bad losses, you know. No. Losing to the guy that plays third and guy that plays seventh when this is your first tournament, um, you know, 184 pounds. We'll we'll dive into lineup stuff later, but has kind of been back and forth all season. And and Hawks didn't even clinch the spot until after the scuffle, or yeah, after yeah, the scuffle. It was like a New Year's change. Yeah, he's certainly got a really. I mean, he's probably the front runner for that spot. Like you said, we'll talk about it later. But I don't feel like this is going to be his last tournament and i think oh that gosh, he's no. really got the potential to to break it open and and get further in his next opportunity yeah i i i really liked how he wrestled you know that underhook sweep single combo he has it seemed to be really really working so if he keeps developing like he has then i mean you know he comes in top 12 guy next year potentially yeah love to see it um and then we've got rocky elam he ends up finishing at seed in third place. Uh, good tournament. Really solid. Just just a little short of what we were thinking. Yeah. You know, he, he takes out Andrew Davison in the first round, 4-1. Then he takes out Jacob Warner in the second round, which was kind of a trap match that we talked about, 6-2. And then he beats Jackson Smith of Maryland, who is a guy that I was really high on and really worried about as a matchup. That was a freaking gritty ass match mm-hmm. he beats him 7-3 makes the semis taking on tanner sloan in a big 12 rematch oh my gosh tanner sloan tanner sloan tanner sloan came in ready to just eat this tournament up <laughs> tanner sloan took out bernie truex um and sloan wanted elam i mean literally they have a, a flow put out this um like, like behind, behind the, the scenes, scenes yeah. when they're like walking after their matches and after, stuff. yeah after uh tanner sloan's quarters match they were asking him like hey what do you think about your semis or something like that? Or who do you want to see? And Tanner Sloan was like, I don't know, but I hope it's Elam. And yeah. he, he, he wanted it. He was like, I lost him in big 12s and I, I want to wrestle him again. I didn't wrestle my best. And I, so this match was kind of, uh, how do I say this? Not refed great. Um, yeah. that I think led to a pretty big tactical error. Uh, first period, Rocky gets a takedown. He's riding Sloan out. And, there's a locked hands call mm-hmm. or well they uh south dakota state challenged for locked hands 
And so they go to review it, and we're watching the review. And we're listening to, like, the commentating, which is Jordan Burroughs and... Rock uh, Harrison. Yes. Who's pretty... There were some moments where he wasn't so great, but it was very clear just from the video, like... And they spelled it out, like, exactly why... Rocky... Rocky's hands were locked at a moment where Tanner Sloan's knee was very clearly off the mat. And then as soon as that knee touches the ground again, Rocky's hands come Art. apart. Yeah. So it shows just the level of awareness. So he knows when he can lock his hands and when he can't. Well, and and I don't know what replay angle they had, what they were looking at, if it was something different than ours. But from our point of view, it was like, oh, easy. Yeah. A very easy call. But... Also, calls were taking forever at this tournament. Yes, it was awful. This wasn't even the worst one, but this one sucked. And um, so, and not only does it look like very clearly not locked hands, but they freaking, to to get a call overturned, it has to be like indisputable evidence. Yeah. So I'm like, where the heck Where are you seeing it? Are you guys seeing this? Um but they see it. They give they give Tanner Sloan an escape or a point for locked hands, and then Tanner Sloan gets an escape, and all of a sudden they're ending the the first period two two instead of two one or two zero. Yep. Um, and so then Sloan gets choice. Rocky defers, and he takes bottom, which mm-hmm. is something he did not do in their first match, and I don't think he would have done if he were up two one without that locked hands call. Mm-hmm. And Sloan is a freaking killer on top, and he turns Rocky for four with a wrist tilt. Yeah. And I don't know that he was... I thought Rocky was flailing enough to where the count could have been a two count, like two, like, two counts yeah, or something. Yeah, t- two counts, a break, and then two more counts. Which, yeah, uh, but that's a whole other thing. But So that put Rocky in this freaking six to two hole, and Sloan takes bottom in the third. He And Rocky might have even caught him, but... Um, Rocky just couldn't, you know. I mean, how many takedowns are you gonna get on this guy in two minutes? Yeah. You know, when he doesn't need any. Yeah. You know, so he's not engaging and, you in anything tough. When you're having to go cut and release, every takedown isn't two points; it's one point. Yep. So he drops that match. It really was just. I, I'm not saying that if it's not for that locked hands call, Rocky wins. But I am saying that if it's not for that locked hands call, I think it completely changes the tactics. I don't know that Rocky takes bottom if he's up 2-1. Mm-hmm. Um, but he drops. He, he AA'd once he hit the semis. Uh, he's a three-time All-American. And he's also improved upon his place every year. He was fifth, fourth, and then third. But so, so he's got to wrestle for two more years, is what you're saying? Yes, exactly. He's got two more years. Perfect. Um, so he's in the Conti semis, and he sees Jacob Warner again. Uh, Which is always crazy, and it makes me nervous anytime I see someone wrestle someone they've already seen in the tournament. Shout out to Jacob Warner, who's just a freaking warrior, another five-time All-American. But uh, Rocky takes him out 3-1, um, much closer second time. Third place match, he runs into the two-seed Bernie Truax. Um, they hadn't wrestled before. Rocky scored a first and third period takedown. That's all he needed. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a blowout, but it never felt, I always felt pretty confident in Rocky in this one. Um, Truex wasn't coming with any really like threatening, you know, uh, attempts or anything. Yeah. Like, like I, I don't, I don't know that Truex ever got super close to scoring. Um, he's super tough guy. He's all American to three different weights now which is pretty crazy fourth place at each one but uh rocky ended up wrestling a really good tournament you know obviously obviously it sucks because you look at the guy who won nino bonacorsi who beat tanner sloan and rocky beat him at last year's tournament in the blood round so it's like man rocky makes the finals he might win the might have a chance yeah um but still wrestled a good tournament it he 197 was a crazy weight class, and, and Rocky wrestled well to, to finish third, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Before we talk about Zach, if you have not seen the video of Rocky talking about Zach, uh, yeah. James just showed it to me on Twitter, and it made me actually cry. Yeah, I it's, retweeted it. It's so good. Just, you know, there's not very many brothers that <laughs> wrestle together in Division One, much less for the same team, much less to the level that these two level, do. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, getting a little insight into what that's actually like, that was a it's a really short like thirty second video. But. Yeah, such a strong bond between those guys and it's it's really awesome. I'm 
Um, but Zach, he had a great tournament. All-American. Yeah, another first-time All-American. He finished in sixth place as the 10 seed. Um, starting from the top, he takes out Jacob Bullock 4-1, just kind of doing his Zach thing, getting a takedown, getting a tough ride. Um, then he takes out the 7 seed Owen Treffin 4-0. Uh, I really liked that matchup yeah. for him, but he, he looked even better than I thought. And then in the quarterfinals... Oh my gosh. I was, oh This man. was crazy. So he's taking on Wyatt Hendricks in the two seed. They've never wrestled. And Zach comes out and he goes over unders. And literally, I'm like, he's going to throw him. He needs to. He's he's going to throw him. And this is in like the first 30 seconds. Oh or my something. gosh. Yeah. But I was literally tell, looking looking at you and I was like, He's gonna throw. He's absolutely gonna throw him here. And, and he, I and you say that a lot sometimes whenever someone gets like over under hooks. And I was like, okay, but, but then he really did. Zach loves doing that, and I I usually say he can throw him here, but Zach loves that throw, and he lat drops him, and for six, and he, you know, Wyatt Hendrickson must be strong as a freaking ox. Like he somehow rolls through it mm-hmm. and puts Zach on his back. Um, for six, and then it was just kind of all Wyatt Hendrickson. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Zach ended up getting major seventeen eight, but man, did he make it freaking close! And if you're if you're the ten seed, gonna be a two seed like Wyatt Hendrickson at this point in the quarterfinals, that's what you have to. It's got to be a big move. Also, I love when Zach goes big because he it works a lot. Yeah, last year he got two pins with lat drops, and I'm like. Why don't you do that more, Zach? Do it that's, to everyone. That's so good. Like, I, I love it. But, uh, yeah, that was crazy. Um, it was it was a crazy, crazy time. And because we, we love Wyatt Hendrickson, too. He's, he's another guy that we really root for. And he ended up finishing third and having a great tournament. But, man, were we rooting against him that moment, you know? Oh, my you know? gosh. That, that was a highlight for sure. <laughs> it looked afterwards. They, they The camera was, like, following Hendrickson. And it looked... He was walking next to Coach Smith, actually, just with how they were walking. And it looked like he turned to, to Coach Smith and was like, oh, he almost oh, got he me. Oh, he almost got me, yeah. Yeah, or something. <laughs> but uh, it was it was a crazy moment. Um, but Zach drops that one. He goes to the blood round, taking on 12-seed Colton McKiernan, um, an old Mac rival who he had wrestled three times before. Mm-hmm. McKiernan pinned him their first year wrestling, and then Zach had won the last two close, though. This was a weird he match. He looked comfortable here, though. Well, at first. Yeah. Uh, Zach gets a takedown and goes up 10-0 with two wrist tilts in the first period. And I was like, oh, he's going to freaking get a tech in a yeah. second. We're going to be out of here. Yeah. And then just completely takes his foot off the gas and ends up winning 11-5. to Still a great win on paper. But... Still a great win, but way to make us freaking nervous, man. Um, I don't know what... I... I don't know what happened in that one. Uh, good win, but we were... I was sweating a lot. Yeah, I was like... I was not feeling great. <laughs> um, but he, he makes it. He gets the win. He makes the podium, a which is awesome. Um, in, in his first match, after that, he takes on Trent Hilger, a guy who he's gone back and forth with. He wins 2-0. Um, Hilger is a four-time All-American Really good win for Zach to beat him. Um, Hilger beat him, I think, in the blood round, like his true freshman year, like way back, or his, his retro freshman year, or something like that. But uh, so seeing Zach come out and get a win there is really, really great. Um, in the Conti semis, he takes on Tony Cassiope of Iowa. Cassiope had beaten him 4 0 in the blood round last year. This rent match kind of looked the same. Yep. Um, another 4 0 loss. Cassiope gets a takedown and escape in riding time. That's kind of the match. Um, so Zach ends up dropping to the fifth place match where he takes on nine seed Lucas Davison, who was a guy that I considered like a title contender to start the mm-hmm. year. And Zach wrestled really, really well this match. I mean, he was so freaking close to a win. Um, uh, Davison's super athletic. He's got good length. So sometimes Zach maybe has issues against those guys. I wasn't sure how it would look, but uh zero zero first period zach wrote him out the entire second period a very tough guy to do that against and then he got an escape in the third so he he was kind of up two zero but davison just would not stop coming at him and ended up scoring two takedowns and zach couldn't get away in the in the third period to to tie it up um still a really solid tournament i mean he he took out the seven seed the 12 seed the 11 
uh, and the 23, you know, like that's a pretty solid run for the 10 seed yep. and freaking really, really close to the two seed and the nine seed, um, with just how the matches went. Um, so yeah, five all Americans for the Tigers, uh, a champ, a national, a champ. national champ, three of the all Americans were for, or no, two of the all Americans were first time. Yeah. Peyton and Zach, Peyton and Zach. Um, and then all five are coming back next year. Um, you know, they, all five plus certain and Hawks are coming back. Yep. The other Brown, Hart and uh, Jake Hughes are all graduating. Um, I think Mizzou is second in most returning team points or third behind Penn State and then like Cornell maybe. Um, but they're really high up there in terms of returning team points. When you look at, uh, they, they finished with 64 and a half points they returned 61 and a half, which, which is, is crazy. significant. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, uh, some, some of the things when you look at the team score, Mizzou finishes fifth, just one spot out of the trophy. A big part of that was bonus points. I mean, take out like, you know, Hart coming up just short in the blood round, Rocky, not making the semis or not making the finals. And then a couple matches that probably were dropped that could have been flipped. Um, take those out, and bonus points makes the difference. Is the difference, you know? Iowa in second place had twelve and a half, and Spencer Lee medical forfeited out after the semis. Cornell had thirteen. Ohio State had fifteen, you know. And so Mizzou, for comparison, had four and a half for bonus. Two, yeah, two and a half or two from certain with his pin, and then two and a half from O'Toole with his major and his tech. Um, so when there's some moments through the tournament, like just looking at some of the scores and how some of the matches went. Um, I talked about Mahler putting blocks on his back for a second. Yeah. You got to capitalize on that, you know, and I don't know. I'm saying you got to like, I have any idea what I'm talking about or can relate at all, but it's like, you put a guy like it just felt like that's what other teams were doing. Yeah, because there's always going to be guys that don't place, and you're not going to get those placement points. But if you're going to be a guy that doesn't like make you know contributing to team points, it can be like so vital, you know. Like with certain, yeah, certain contributed most of those bonus points, even though he didn't end up placing. Yeah, and so uh, it's it's hard. It's the national tournament. It's the top thirty three guys in the country. But if you want to finish as those top four teams, and especially if you want to finish really high coming into Kansas City next year, you know, your home state and you're bringing in back all these guys and you have all these opportunities, it's like you got to find ways to, to break through. Like, that's why I was a little frustrated, especially with Zach against Colton McKiernan, to go up 10-0 in the first period mm-hmm. and then end up only winning by six. It's like, what happened? You know, like... We gotta we gotta get those bonus points. It all adds up. And, and Mizzou, I say that just because Mizzou has been this big bonus point team through the year. Like they're usually really good at that. You look at Big Twelves. You look at the scuffle. You know, like bonus points for a lot of this year has been something they've been really good at. So it just kind of surprised me really to to see them fall so hard from from that. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seemed like kind of like team wide. They would get close, but then just couldn't separate. Um, and you know, again, it's like you flip a couple matches of you put Rocky in the in the finals where he probably wins. Yep. You know, you get Hart on the uh, on the podium where he gets at least three points for finishing eighth. You know. Yeah, we were not far behind those teams that came in third or fourth. Yeah, so. it's it's just like there's there's just a couple matches like it's not just winning the tough matches it's winning the tough matches and then taking advantage and scoring bonus and you know mizzou did a little bit of both but just not enough and ohio state was a team that i did not have not on the radar not you know i think a lot of people had them in their top 10 did not expect them to finish in the top four and and they were right there with freaking cornell cornell wasn't shocking but cornell got great bonus and ohio state just put guys on the podium and got all these bonus points like they wrestled way above expected um so that's why it's like mizzou did really well finishing fifth place is awesome super solid five all americans program record ties it they're most since 2017 um it's just one of those things it's like good gotta get better for next year yep you know 
Um, and I think they're bringing in, we'll talk about the lineup in a future show, but I think they're bringing in guys that really do things like that. I think some of these young guys, when you look at someone like Hawks, when you look at the young guys that are likely to come in, there's a lot of opportunity for these big point scores to, to make an impact. And these older guys, these veterans now, you know, next year you'll have guys like Mako and Zach. Um, I think there's more. Mako, Zach, oh my gosh, is that it? Uh, as, and Mahler as seniors. Yep. So it's like get that, you know, all all three of those guys are guys that have like top five potential. So it's like what do we got to do to get that there, you know? But uh, great coaching staff. They're gonna they're gonna do, sit there and and do stuff. And like also, this. all these guys are you know. Yeah. We talk about Keegan doing it a lot, but every single one of these guys is walking away from a match, whether it's a win or a loss, and thinking like, how do I how do I win even more next time? How do I beat this guy next time? So, they're they're gonna be ready. I think Kansas City is gonna be such a cool environment for them to compete in. Um, I'm I'm feeling great about next season. This was a really impressive showing. It had its ups and downs while we were watching it and plenty of heartbreaks too, but really, really solid performance. Wrestling, you know, I don't know as far as who listens to this show how many people are Mizzou fans or college wrestling fans or anything Former like that. Former wrestlers. Yeah, but, you know, wrestling is such a unique sport where you can have nine guys do so well, but your heart still freaking breaks for the one guy that struggles. And so, and even match to match, it's just so much emotion. I mean, it is so draining. One, to wrestle for watching these guys, but just even being a fan at home, just like, just knowing how close it is. And, and especially, you know, I, when Spencer Lee lost, it was a big thing. And I saw so many people like dogging on him and all this and stuff. And his mom. His yeah. poor mom. I, and it's just one of those things where it's like, you got to remember that I know these kids are competing for these their schools and are on the biggest stage and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, these guys finish their tournament on Saturday and they are back in class on Monday. And how many guys do you think walk into their class and get recognized the same way that a football player would or, or a basketball, basketball player yeah. would or something like that, you know? They may win a national championship. They may finish on the podium for the first time and they walk into class on Monday to do whatever their freaking engineering PhD and how many people do you think like recognize that, mm-hmm. you know? Or and or it's like, yeah, this guy had a bad match. This guy had a bad tournament, bad day, whatever. Who knows what he's got going on outside of it? I mean, th- most of these guys are like what early twenties, teens. Yeah. You know, like I, uh, it's something that I had. The more I've covered wrestling, the more I've kind of like grown to realize is like these guys are. I I mean, I'm not that old, but they're just kids. Yeah. You know, I remember being in college at that age, and it's like, oh my gosh, looking back, it's like I was I was just a kid pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, and and they're out there like pouring their freaking heart into this sport, trying to balance school, trying to balance a social life. And you can't hide behind anyone else. No, You can't yeah. hide behind a team or, or, you know, it's just you. It's you and one other person, and either you're better than them or you aren't. Yeah, and so I totally understand. And even for us, like, f- getting frustrated or, or, or criticism or things like that, but it's like a guy comes out and has a bad match that I don't think that says – or a bad tournament doesn't say anything about them as a competitor, as a wrestler – anything like that it's just that's the sport yeah. that's the freaking sport it is it's so raw and it's so individual and it's so tough but just something to keep in mind just watching guys just watching the tournament um i don't know i felt i i it, it was heartbreaking seeing some of them it just hurt so much this year to see stuff like that happen but um mizzou had a really good tournament all of, all 10 guys should feel really proud at the end of the season uh, even they qualified all 10. That's a big accompl- accomplishment in itself. And uh, we're really looking forward to K- Kansas City next year. Absolutely. Speaking of next year. Yes. To so, wrap this up, we are going to do some cool things with the pot. Yeah. So we'll probably take a break for about a month, month and a half. We kind of started middle of the season, just kind of jumped into it. Um, we'll, we'll see. I'll be doing articles for for Missouri wrestling on some stuff, you know, looking at lineup, probably like a, a report card grade type things for guys. Any recruits in the offseason. Yeah, recruit stuff. Um, so keep an eye out for that. But I think that for us, 
we're going to kind of take a little bit of a break and look at, think about what we want this podcast to be in the future, think about ways we want to do more, uh, some potential other avenues to do. You know, I think we've talked about doing interviews on here before, like having guys on here and talking to them. Which I think would um, really amplify it. Yeah, and and even even next season we might do a little more like still Mizzou centric, but dive into some more other maybe it's like Big Twelve type stuff. Mm-hmm. Kind of see what happens. Because um, you want to know about the the. Um conference that we're competing yeah and you you know you want to know oh yeah i remember week two they talked about iowa state doing this and now we're wrestling iowa state you know i don't know i just i i hope that a lot of like mizzou fans that aren't necessarily wrestling fans follow this and with that i hope that it kind of opens this door into being more college wrestling fans like that's my big goal i think our big goal is to just find ways to grow the sport and an informed fan base is a more passionate fan base. So. Absolutely, you know. Um, so yeah, look at keep looking out for my content. We'll come back with this podcast with some cool stuff here, um, and we'll just kind of see what happens. It's been a blast doing this. Yeah, thank you for literally anyone listening. Yeah, we appreciate even if there's one of you out there, even if it's just mom and dad. Uh, yeah, exactly. We uh, we we really enjoy doing this, and and. Uh, Hopefully we can get even better as we continue doing stuff like this. But um, if you have any feedback, questions, or topics you'd like us to cover, tweet them at James. Yep, FFJames94. You can tweet them at me, but James will see it. Um, and probably answer. Yeah, I probably won't. Yeah, but uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening, sticking through it, sticking through the season with us. Um, reach out with with whatever. And congrats to the Tigers. Congrats to Keegan O'Toole. Congrats to to yeah. All 10 guys and coaches. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And you know what we say. Mizzou is a wrestling school. Bye.